Hey, this is Shamina. This is a Two Quick Things podcast. I am recording live from the bathroom. Um, I'm at a conference in New Orleans, and um, I don't have a super quiet place to record, so thanks in advance for dealing with the kind of echoey sound in this bathroom. Um, so today I'm going to talk about um, five realities about work that we aren't talking about. So I'm hoping that these will resonate with you because um, they certainly resonate with me. Point number one. The people that we work with aren't genuinely our friends. Um, uh, The organization that I work with, we recently put out a poll survey, and one of the questions was about having a best friend at work. I think it's important that we stop pretending that we're cool with everybody at work. I mean, certainly we're civil. We are not disrespectful intentionally, obviously. Um, Don't get me wrong. I think if you're lucky, you have like one, two, maybe three people that you're pretty cool with at work. But it's okay to not be wanting to invite that person over to your house or to have a meal outside of work hours. So like I'll have on very rare occasion where I work now a meal or lunch with someone or a snack or a walk. But I won't be inviting you to do anything after hours. And that's okay. I think if you have like that one or two person people that you can connect with on work-related things. And sometimes you can kiki about things outside of work. Great. Um, But I think it's important to not think um, these people are my family. These people are my friends. Um, And I may be in the minority of this perspective, which is fine, but I think it sends a mixed message when we're saying, we start to equate like the people that we work with, like, this is my family. I'm like, these are people I work with. I'm not going to introduce you to somebody out, you know, in my, in my outside of work world as like, this is my family. I'm like, this is my colleague. This is somebody that I work with. Um, you're lucky if you have my cell phone number because I rarely give that out. I'll be like, oh, you got my email? Just hit me up via email. We're going to be good. So I think that's a reality that we, um, hopefully we're working with good people, but that doesn't mean those people have to be your friends. And I tend to think that that's more than okay and beyond acceptable because it can certainly blur some lines that may have not been blurred um, at the beginning of your work relationship or your your um, connection to a specific organization. And not everybody's going to be your, your quote unquote friend after. I think that's when you know who your friends are when you leave a place and you still want to kick it with them. And the, the basis of you kicking it and hanging out is not to just talk talk shit about the work that you used to do together or the people that you used to do together. To me, that's when I know that a a work relationship has crossed over to a friendship when I no longer work there and we can just talk and chill, you know? Um, Point number two, um, a reality. I think there's a fine line between being irreplaceable at work and being a crutch when it comes to your work. Um, What I mean by that is I think you have to show people the magic that you are and at the same time empower them to see the magic within themselves, but all the while remembering that you were the person elevating them towards that management, that, excuse me, towards that magic. Um, When I think of my role uh, in HR, I think of myself as a connector of people to information, to systems, to hopefully their own um, strength and their own confidence, reminding them that just because I'm here doesn't mean you have to stop thinking for yourself. I should be part of that gateway. When I start, it doesn't mean that you all of a sudden know nothing. You've known things, um, but you just need to be reminded or maybe pivoted in a different direction. Um, And I think there's also a level setting of like, Girl, I don't expect you to do everything perfectly. You're not going to have all the answers, but that doesn't mean I have all the answers either. Um, you're going to be fine. You're going to make mistakes. I'm going to make mistakes, and we're going to be good. You're going to recover from those things. But I think a lot of that is boosting up people's confidence um, so that you don't become the crutch and have to have the answer for everything. 
Um, point number three, um, the conference that I'm at is a diversity conference, and that's about diversity and inclusion conference, and that's all I'll say about that particular piece. Um, but I was, I will say that I was in a session where somebody was like, well, what about diversity of thought? And so I'm listening to people, you know, kind of nod their heads and, and whatnot. And I'm thinking, now, when the hell have you been at a workplace that people have been excluded for diversity of thought? There have been whole systems, um, of racist systems, prejudicial systems that have been built, around what people look like, not what they think, because you can keep your thoughts to yourself if you choose to. Um, and there was another element of that when, if you think about like the people in your organization um, and you know, like we all have somebody who like, we know nobody likes this fool. We know nobody likes them, yet they are still with the organization causing issues and strife and beef and all of that. And for whatever reason, the management, the leadership has chosen not to um, invite that person to leave, as I like to say. And that says something about their willingness around a diversity of thought. Um, it says a few things, I think. Um, and I'm not saying letting somebody go um, to live their better life beyond the organization is easy, but it certainly takes a level of bravery. And be it fear or liability or risk of why people don't do it, um, says something about the culture of the organization. And maybe it's an organization that is um, afraid of the liability. Maybe they don't want to let somebody go because that person really needs the job. But at what point do you let go of that so that you um, are not sacrificing everybody for one person? So... That's the reality. It happens all the time. We have people that like do trash work or I always say, like, what do you have on the CEO or the CFO that they're letting you stay is the, the thought that's going through my head. But I think that certainly takes a level of bravery. And we don't talk about, I think, how we have to be brave when we are managers of people with conversations and decisions that we have to make. And I think that's certainly an underrated topic. And maybe I'll hit upon that on a different um, uh, episode of like what it means to manage people, because I think that's a whole different level of work because you're responsible for your work and to make sure the people around you and reporting to you are actually doing what they're supposed to do. Now that's hard. We want to talk about something that's hard because you got to navigate all these personalities, especially once you get them into one room and trying to navigate and move things forward. Ooh, supervision, managing people, Ugh, a whole topic in itself. Um, point number four, I think, um, I often wonder uh, when you're working at a place and there's all these resources and time and conversation that are that is spent on, um, let's say, diversity or inclusion, and you have yet to see the fruits of that labor in terms of change and action. That's frustrating. Um, how is that engaging in difference? How is that moving the needle? If we still doing the same thing, we spending all this time doing a lot of talk and there's no tangible action that people can can walk through. And it can't be just the people of color leading the change in the action. If we're talking specifically about diversity and inclusion, it cannot be that it needs to be white people up here saying the thing that they know to be true. And I guess you could say taking the risk that folks of color taking the risk, take the risk every day when they speak, because you never know how it's going to land and how people are going to sign on to it or not. But how are we using that money to actually demonstrate change as opposed to saying, oh, yeah, we did these seven trainings. 
we're working on change. Girl, if you don't make some tangible changes, and if you don't know what those changes are, ask the people that you work with, what are you looking for? Get a sense of what change means for those folks. But spending all this money, and I'm like, it's great for the folks who are doing the work and coming out and like doing the trainings and like their businesses are probably lucrative because right now we're very much in a, in a season of, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and bringing in people to talk about these topics. But how is it really moving the needle? How are you measuring that? Are your policies changing? Are your practices changing? Because that's really what I want to see. Are we doing the same thing and just slapping a label on it that says we have this? What's our reporting out look like? Does our leadership look different? Is the level of conversation that we have look different? Are we bringing it up because we don't want to be left behind? Something to think about. Uh, the last topic that I have is on, so again, this episode's five realities about work that we're not talking about, meetings. Y'all, people don't know how to have meetings. They don't know how to facilitate them. Um, they schedule them for too long. So I wanted to give you four quick tips on, like, if you're a person that is scheduling the meeting and it's, it's your meeting to run, here's some here's four things for you to try that hopefully will help you um run better meetings and be examples for other people who are running meetings. And if you're not the person running the meetings, feel free to drop some of these nuggets to your supervisor or to other folks of like, hey, can we try this in the next meeting? I heard this on this this banging podcast, aka Two Quick Things. And I think it might help us, you know, generate more ideas and whatnot. So here are the four. One, figure out ways to incorporate silence into your meeting to increase people's ability to um, grapple with a topic. So that way people aren't competing for airtime for those people who talk a lot during meetings and those people who talk very little. Um, there's a little bit less risk that you have. You're not afraid to like write down your ideas because maybe you won't share them all. But if I'm hearing this idea, this idea, I may automatically think, oh, my idea kind of sucks. But if I'm writing it down, it gives me a little bit more confidence to write, confidence to write those things down and possibly communicate those. Um, it also gives focus time for people who are not like your talkers in the meeting. Because sometimes you have people who just like, they talk out loud and they, they, they process out loud. Um, it gives people a chance uh, to process internally, process on your paper. And then it gives you to, an opportunity to share the time and maybe ask for like your one idea. Um, Number two, under meetings, send out an agenda before the meeting. And I don't mean like 15 minutes before the meeting. Um, and this takes work. So I'm not saying it's easy, but it's part of like planning and, and managing people, time, resources. Send out an agenda before the meeting and set time limits for each agenda item. I know that can feel limiting and restricting, but if you get like the one agenda item and it goes for all of your meeting, you haven't had any time to dedicate those. And what you, you know what you're going to do next? set up another meeting to, to get those other agenda items. So when you are almost forcing people to like, we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes, we're going to talk about this for 15, and you as a person scheduling meeting tends to, tend to be able to kind of dictate how much time, um, but that pressure is, is, is good. It can be good pressure, especially if you send it out enough time for people to grapple with so they can come prepared to the meeting. Hmm, how about that? Um, point number three under that one, start and finish your meetings on time. If people are late, that's fine. Encourage them to check in with another person, not you as the person running the meeting, because you don't need to have a meeting about what somebody missed in your meeting. Um, encourage them to check in with another person for the notes and for the updates that they need to be aware of. Or if you have somebody taking notes, 
refer to have them refer to the uh, the notes after the meeting. Um, and the last one, aim for meetings that are no longer no longer than 30 minutes. Again, part of that pressure is forcing people to focus on what you're talking about. And just because Outlook and Google Calendar and all these other like platforms default to one hour um, increments, like when you open a calendar invite, it gives you one hour, you don't have to use it. And if the meeting is over and you set a 30-minute meeting and it only lasts for 23 minutes, it's okay to end it. You don't need to leave all this time for like, we have 30 minutes, we should just use it. No, finish, move on. That's okay to do. And I think sometimes in the workplace, we're afraid to do that. We're like, well, we have the time or we have the room. Just because you have it don't mean you need to use it. Let people go, be free and do the work that you've assigned in that meeting or to follow up as necessary. Um, And let me add another one on there that I I think I probably should have put it first. But like if you are the person leading the meeting, think of yourself as the host. So if people are coming in, greet them, you know, say hello, um, see if anybody has any questions and just kind of set up set up the conversation. So it's a little bit more open so that you're not walking in and, you know, like point one. But greet people. They're human. I always say at one point. Um, in a current or former life, I'm not going to say, I got a text from um, a person who was indirectly supervising me. And they just, first of all, it was in the morning and I'm a morning person, so it was fine. Um, But there was no greeting. There was no salutation. And I was like, if you don't greet me. So my slick ass responded back, good morning. And then 15 minutes later, I responded to the message. Don't be texting me without no greeting. So Take that little time to acknowledge that people are there, that they're human, that you value their presence in the space. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, another point around meetings. You don't have to have everybody in the meeting for it to be an effective meeting. Know who really needs to contribute to the meeting. And not everybody has to be there for the whole thing. Period. Like if you're if my agenda item and I need to be there to chime in from 10, you know, 20 to 1030. Let me come in and then let me go. I don't need to say for the rest of this stuff that I'm not going to be paying attention to anyway. But so hopefully you resonated with some of those realities about work and you think about ways that you can influence your work culture um, as a supervisor, as an employee, um, as someone who's occupying the space with other people, um, how you can be influential in in that in that work um, and hopefully help uh, tighten up how you operate in that workspace. Um, let's see. I saw, I listened to so many podcasts this week. It's not even funny. Um, I will include them in the show notes and I'll try to remember to include them in the, um, in my post on Instagram because I just, I had enough time. I was on a flight, a long flight. So I listened to a bunch of them, but I do wanted to give uh, two quick shout outs. One to, uh, um, I had a chance to connect with two of my, my Tachi retreat sisters while I was here. Um, and I'm an introvert. So it took, it felt like it took a lot for me to like reach out and be like, Hey y'all, I'm in town. Um, and I couldn't handle like more than a few cause that would have been overwhelming for me. So I was like, would y'all want to get dinner? And immediately they were like, yeah, let's do it. Which felt great. And it felt really, it kind of epitomized what I loved about that experience, like the small connections. Um, so the two people I want to shout out is to Courtney. Um, she is the host creator of millennial dreamers, uh, the podcast and Jasmine, who is the owner and founder of the blackwallet.com. Um, who it's a digital space to get uh, black folks exposed to black businesses, etc., and really is taking the the game of that to the next level. 
Um, when I tell you I had such an amazing time just connecting and sharing ideas, and I didn't even realize that how many gems I was going to get from that time that we spent together um, eating catfish and shrimp and crab. Um, it was just such a blessing and to just to be able to have that um, in a really organic space. And truth be told, I didn't really get to spend time. I didn't meet Jasmine at all during the experience. Um, so that tells you something. And then I met Courtney for a few minutes while we were on the boat at the retreat. But to know that they were so willing to connect and be present, and it was just such seamless conversation. I forget how important that is to make connections with people um, and to go outside of my comfort zone, because it would have been very easy for me to stay in um, my hotel room, order room service, or get something delivered, and to just not connect, knowing that I, you know, how, how often I am, I, am I in Louisiana? Not very often at all. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show how, again, how grateful I am for that experience and how you don't have to have like made these deep connections to, um, on site, but really a willingness to reach out and go, go beyond what feels comfortable to really make a connection. So I'm grateful to both Courtney and Jasmine for welcoming me into New Orleans. So on that note, um, you can, again, find me, as usual, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook under Two Quick Things. You already know where the podcast is because you're listening to it, but feel free to share it with your friends, your cousin, your mama, etc. Um, Share it with your enemies, too, because they may need, to, may need to hear a word that I've already shared during the show. Um, I think that's all that I got for y'all next week. Thanks for listening, and I will catch up with y'all next time. Bye. <laughs>